Welcome to the Next Chapter Podcast. Whether you were going from high school to college, from college to the real world, from nine to five to entrepreneur, or literally anything in between, we are here to help you turn the page from dreams to reality. Welcome back to the Next Chapter Podcast, everybody, where we help turn the page from dreams to reality. Today, we're going to be back looking at a case study. We're going to be looking at the life of Elon Musk. We're going to be extrapolating everything that happened in his early life to now what we know him as a billionaire who is trying to conquer Mars. So let's start on his early life. I wish we had like clips or anything from his life. Like I know people talk about it in interviews, like his parents and siblings and stuff, but um, knowing how crazy he is now, and then they talk about when he was in his early childhood, just being like daydreaming and obsessed about different things, like didn't really have friends and they had to check for his hearing once because they thought that he just couldn't hear, but he was just really on his own wavelength, like really new ideas popped into his mind. Like he said in a Rogan episode a long time ago, I remember he said, when I was a kid, I thought it was crazy because nobody had like ideas like I did. Like my whole day was just new ideas popping in my head, but like nobody could understand. Do me. you remember what age he said that was? Hmm. I think around like five people started questioning him. Yeah, he said it was at age six Damn. that he felt that he was insane because he just had ideas racing through his head all the time. That's crazy, dude. I can't even remember back to the time when I was six. Like I feel like what what grade is that? Like. Second? Probably. Second grade. Like, I can't even remember those times. Yeah. And he remembers feeling insane because he had so many ideas racing through his head. And your your idea would be, like, <laughs> some new concoction for lunch. Yeah, probably. <laughs> or it'd be like, man, how do I get this Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle action figure? Like, I'm trying to get that. But no, bro was trying to change the world at five years old. Like, it's crazy to see his thought process of he thought he was insane because he had so many ideas just mm-hmm. flowing through his head. Yeah. All throughout childhood, grade school, um, he was just nerdy, like started to become obsessed with books and people would start to bully him just because he was an outlier. Like nobody really could relate to him mm-hmm. and um, couldn't really defend himself until he was, I think it was at 15, he started getting bigger, got his growth rate. He's a big dude now. so He's like 6'3", right? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure like what size he got to be when he was 15, uh, but then he started like wrestling and stuff and he could actually fight back but i don't know he did all that before he was just uh, getting shoved in lockers yeah he was the classic getting shoved in lockers for being a nerd i guess it just shows that you can be like an outcast a social outcast especially in the early days and still amount to something great it's usually the quiet people who are the less popular kids who aren't the talkative ones who usually do the craziest of things Mm -hmm. they're just always cooking Mm -hmm. they're always cooking but no one knows it yeah, yeah. He he said he kept to himself a lot because he only put his energy and effort towards stuff he cared about. So the classes he cared about were the classes he tried in. If he didn't really care about class, he wouldn't try. Mm-hmm. And like you said, that was kind of the basis for his bullying. But it was also where he grew up. Yeah, he grew up in South Africa, and it talked about he was born in 1971. So there was a big divide racially, and he talked about the gangs and how he almost got beaten to death. Mm-hmm. I saw that. And um, that kind of made him into like a social loner. And that pushed him into developing his mind by himself and getting interested in stuff like physics and computers. Mm-hmm. And that's what really kind of pushed him into the direction of being on his own and learning on his own. 
How do you feel that affects development as a kid? Like not being, I don't think he played any sports, did he? No. Um, no sports, really no friends. Like his hobbies were just like reading and working, getting ideas. Like even today, he has like a ton of money, ton of influence, but he's still super awkward. Like in interviews and stuff. Like yeah, he's he just like awkward. a yeah, he's just a weird dude. Um, do you think that's why he is who he is today? Because he didn't have like any meaningful relationships early on. Maybe I know that time period in adolescence. I think it's specifically from like ages five to twelve is really cl- critical for all types of development, social development, language development. And I think there's been studies done with people who are not socialized in the correct form. So they're not brought in circles and they don't have friends. They have a higher chance of becoming serial killers, especially Mm. in that time. If they're um, because they lack empathy, they lack any social grace or maybe his just weirdness is a result of that lack of socialization. But he seems like a really sociable person, like kind of from what you see in an interview. I, I know when I've seen clips of him talking to Joe Rogan, like he just seems like a chill dude, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah, he's funny. Yeah. So, so I really don't know. What do you think about it, Matt? Um, I think it definitely has an impact because I don't know, just think about growing up, like I think it's definitely beneficial to have friends around you, like get into some organizations, not just like, being an outcast the entire time. Like, I think it should be a balance because he's definitely set up better than most kids because he's put in more work than them and he has better ideas than them. Mm-hmm. So he's going to be more successful in that sense. But at the same time, he's behind them in this fact that he didn't have many meaningful relationships and didn't have the sports and the activity. Um, and then at 17, like he moves to Canada, like completely across the country or across the world to start school so like even whatever he had in south africa he just picked up and left and tried to start a new life not even being fully developed not even being an adult yet just going to a new environment to start school yeah i saw that he left south africa was because that they forced him to enlist in the military i think it was Mm -hmm. and he didn't really believe in what south africa was fighting so he just went to go to school in canada but going back to before that time at age 10 is when he started working on computers is when he found his love for looking into technology. And this was only like a couple years after the internet even became a thing. And he had started to teach himself how to code, which is crazy. And he said he was taking coding classes, but he left because he, at the age of 10, he knew more than the people who were teaching him Mm -hmm. because he was self-taught how to code. And then he coded his own software for his first company. Like that, that's just a different level of intelligence to mm-hmm. be able to teach yourself a new skill that not really anybody in the world is familiar with in such a new market. And for you to have an eye to see, to see potential and progression in something before it's even there is one of, is one of I think, his greatest gifts. Yeah, it's crazy. I think that's something you're definitely born with to an extent because yeah. most 10-year-olds, you can't teach to pick up a ground ball in baseball or can't tell him to take out the trash or something. He's like selling software at that age is super impressive. Um, so I'm not sure, you know, what it, it'd be really cool if when he passes away, they can donate his brain to science and just see like what was different about him. Because I think it was definitely something unique that he possessed similar to some other people in our history. 
um, that allowed him to do that at such a young age because, like you said, he's like outsmarting the teachers too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 10 years old. Yeah, I think he made his own game by the time he was 12 called Blaster, mm -hmm. which was like the um, space shooting game, that really old space shooting game. Like Gattaca? Yeah, it was that. He made his own software for that, and he sold that at the age of 12. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I think something big, too, that we didn't talk about his childhood was the fact that um, his parents got divorced when he was like, I don't know, 7, 8, 9, 10 years old, something mm -hmm. like that. And life at home wasn't easy for him either. So when he went to school, it wasn't easy. But then when he came back home, it wasn't easy. Yeah. So he lived with his mom originally, then he moved with his dad. But his dad also didn't want him to have a computer, he said. Mm. So mm -hmm. he faced challenges with being able to get a computer and get to code and learn those stuff. So it seemed like against all obstacles, he still found a way to do it. Because mm -hmm. we've done this with now Goggins, Steve Jobs, now Elon, and then knowing of what other successful people's stories are. I think an overarching theme, like hearing you say that, is there has to be, when you achieve massive success, it has to be some point in your life where you understand, like, I need to do this for myself. I, nobody is gonna help me, I just need to rely on me. Mm -hmm. um, like Goggins, his, he had abuse in his family. He had to leave that and, you know, avoid it. Um, Jobs was, you know, dropping out of college and sleeping on floors so he could, you know, attend classes. Um, and then Elon, like, didn't have the best family life, didn't have people that supported his dreams. He had to take it upon himself to go get the resources. So I think it's interesting whether you do it at 10 years old, if you're listening to this at, like, 25, or maybe 60. You know, at some point, you have to have this realization, like, I need to do it for me. This is my responsibility. Then you can actually step into more success. It seems like that's a big, a big part of a lot of entrepreneurs' journeys is they realize that they like the chips on their shoulder mm -hmm. they have to create something for them and i saw in an interview as well his mom said like she believed that whatever that they were going to do him and his brothers and i think he has a sister um she knew that it was going to work out so she really never questioned what they were doing and i don't know if it's that belief that she had in elon or just elon being like i know i need to do this for myself to push further but in general, it seems like a lot of people have that same attribute mm -hmm. to, to make something happen. Yeah, what E-Man said was to make a man, um, one of the best gifts that he had was childhood trauma. Mm -hmm. And he said, you can't wish that on people or you can't, um, it doesn't just come up, you're born into it. And that's one thing that he's forever grateful for because it's like after these things that these people are given, you can't be given that. Yeah. And he said, it taught me to be who I was. Mm -hmm. it makes it, you, you good. Yeah, I was going to say, it, it seems like that's the case with a lot of these people. They are thrown into deep waters and they find a way to tread. For sure. It makes you independent too. Like, mm -hmm. you can't be someone who goes from South Africa to Canada if you're not independent. You know, if you can't yeah. make that move yourself, like, it's rare. It takes a rare person to do that, especially at 17 years old, let alone when you have of, you know, spouse and kids. Um, but he goes to school in Canada. I think he said it was because it was strategic to get into the U.S. It was better to get citizenship if you had um, citizenship in Canada. Um, so he does that for a little bit. Then he goes down to the U.S. finally, mm -hmm. goes to the University of Pennsylvania, um, and he starts his, was it a master's program there? Yeah, Bachelor's. Yeah. Okay. I think he switched undergrad. Okay. Oh, cool. okay. Um, so he goes down 
Philadelphia, got his um, degree there at a good university. And one thing super interesting about that was um, he had a off-campus house and he would rent it out as like a nightclub every night. Really? I'm not sure if it was every night, but like weekends, mm -hmm. obviously. Um, and they would like, I remember seeing a video of him talking about it and they would just like paint everything black. They would black out curtains and everything. They wouldn't use the house for like really anything other than sleeping. And then all the other rooms was for the club. And then he'd have like up to 500 people there a night, five bucks a person and just Genius. stay in his room, like working the whole time. <laughs> Genius. That's so smart. Yeah. I, I didn't know he did something like that. And it also shows that people, people like this with brains for ingenuity are hustlers mm -hmm. and they think of any way to get money and they come up with seemingly abstract ways to make money that I think the ordinary person just isn't able to come up with. Yeah, it's also just capitalizing on what people are already doing. You know, he's a college student. He wasn't one to go out and party and drink and stuff and, you know, waste his time doing that. But he understood that's what people are doing. How can I get in on it and make money? So he's like, I'm just going to afford. Like when um, early, later in his career, he said he didn't have a lot of money. It was either buy a place to live or a place to work. He bought the office space and mm -hmm. he slept there. Um, so always find a way just to monetize things and make it the best decision for tomorrow, not for his comfort right now. Mm -hmm. And then he went to, he got an offer from Stanford after to go to school in Stanford, which I think was for his master's then. But then he just made a software for Zip2, his first company, which I never knew. I didn't know that that was his first company because I'd never even heard of it before. And it was some software that he developed and then he sold it for 370 million and he became a millionaire overnight. It was this little company that him and his friend had made as he called it a little company. And then overnight he sold it for 370 million and he made two, 22 million. I think it was, he made 22 million from selling that company. Mm -hmm. And I, that was at the age of 28, mm -hmm. which is crazy. Yeah, I wouldn't call it overnight how he sold it because he definitely took years to learn that skill. Um, but yeah, but he called it overnight. He said it was basically an overnight sale where his life just changed. Like same with his mom, they said like he had nothing, and then the next day he was a twenty-two millionaire. Yeah, this sale for sure. But yeah. it takes a lot of time to build. Yeah, mm -hmm. and, yeah. but um, he went out there originally to get pretty much like engulfed in like that Silicon Valley culture because it's, you know, tech. Mm -hmm. um, it would fit what he would be doing, but he was looking for a job actually. And he got denied by one of the only tech companies out, one of the tech companies that uh, he was interested in, he got denied a job. And then that's when he's like, okay, I can't get a job. Let me make a job for myself, mm -hmm. which I think is so interesting. And it's kind of like, like a great mindset to have if, there's nothing that if no one wants my skills, let me use my skills and create an opportunity for myself. Mm -hmm. That's a true, true entrepreneur right there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is. And like, he understands what's the gap on top of that. Like what is lacking in this? I was listening to his audiobook like last year, um, the audiobook on him. And I really never heard of zip two before that, but zip two was like called that because you're supposed to zip to this website. I don't know if it was like a search engine or something, but it was like zip to Google or zip to like, I don't Nike.com. So that was like what the premise was. So it was like just making your internet experience faster. Um, and then he went and did that again with PayPal. Like he started, we, he took the money he made from the zip two, um, 
exit and then put like 10 million into mm -hmm. x.com and he was like there is a problem with the banking industry and everybody would just be like you know the banks got their money it's their way of doing things whatever and he was like i don't want to go to a bank i don't want to wait x amount of days for this deposit i'm going to change it like again outside the box thinking mm -hmm. and he goes and makes that into a billion dollar company sells it to ebay and it's paypal it's still the one of the biggest you know forms of uh, electronic payment today yeah crazy how he was basically the one who i mean there was another company he was competing with at the time but he revolutionized online payment mm -hmm. like it's so convenient and it's what we know every day and online banking and instead of writing checks it's so easy for our lives and he was able to automate that part and he made a billion dollars off of it but i think the craziest part from the moment he sold zip to to his initial investment to him funding his um what was it x.com it was only three months that it took mm. it was three months from the time that he sold to the time that he started it because he wanted to do something different already like he went and bought after he made that 22 million dollars from selling zip2 he went and bought a mclaren mm -hmm. the the mclaren f1 now worth like 20 million dollars and then I, I read he crashed it somewhere but that's besides the point he said that i could buy islands and i can buy all this stuff but he didn't want that he just wanted to make another investment in himself and built then from a 370 million dollar business to i think it was a 1.4 billion dollar business that he sold it for but it's crazy that turnaround time that you have between building this successful business to building the next one mm -hmm. crazy mm -hmm. i think one of the attributes that makes him the success he is today is just his willingness and his risk to continue to reinvest in himself. Like mm -hmm. you mentioned it with going to PayPal, but also the PayPal exit, 1.5 billion, he owned 11% of it. So he's $100 million plus from that you know acquisition. He took pretty much all of that and then put it into his next thing, SpaceX and Tesla. Mm -hmm. and he basically went broke again because he was just like, this is my seed to plant into this and this and this. And I don't need the money right now. I can delay it, but I'm just going to reinvest so I can make the next thing even bigger, which is, it's rare. A lot of people would see that paycheck of 150 million in the bank account being like, obviously there's taxes and everything, but let's just say a hundred million. They see that be like, I can live on this. My kids are yep, good. My I'm kids, chilling. kids are good. But to be able to say like, I can deplete this to zero, be happy and try to multiply it by 10. Like I can do that. It's wild too, because I think he sold PayPal in 2008 and he started SpaceX in 2008 as mm -hmm. well. So again, a really quick turnaround time. And he said that he basically funded it himself, $100 million of his own money to SpaceX because he didn't want any of his friends investing in any of his businesses. With all, with all his businesses, he gave it a 10% success rate. So he said it's too risky for anyone to invest, mm. which is crazy. Yeah. That is wild. It just shows, too, his reason for, you know, depleting all that money goes a lot deeper than the want for money. Mm. Yeah. Like, that wasn't his motive. No, like, like, he does. He doesn't care about it. He will go throw 100 M's away like that. Yeah, like, Crazy. I, his motive is so much higher. It's, like, to help progress people. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. And I think he definitely stepped into most of his passion when SpaceX came about. Like, mm -hmm. when you know who Elon is and listen to him, like it's definitely more on the SpaceX side and exploration, all of that. And um, 
one thing I found really interesting from the book about him was when SpaceX was starting, obviously, you know, you need the rockets and stuff to get into space. And he had to come up with the resources and the materials to purchase or build rockets. And he took a trip with some business partners to Russia and he went there and he's looking at rocket. Cause like you can't shoot up a rocket into space and then reuse it. Like it all blows up and like is destroyed. Mm -hmm. So they have to make brand new ones basically. And he went there and I remember he was talking about like on the plane ride back being so disappointed because he's like, these were X amount of dollars are super expensive, way outside the budget. And he's like, it's not even guaranteed to work. Mm -hmm. So then he had this realization, like again, another good idea from him. He was like, why don't we just build our own from materials we can purchase or from rockets that are decommissioned now, like pull it from that and then use it in this rocket. He's like, I can build a rocket for like 10% of the cost that an actual rocket costs. Like I'm just going to do that. And that's what jump started his next venture. Just again, thinking outside the box. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing I found interesting was he wasn't the one that started Tesla. I think. No, he wasn't. He's not the founder of Tesla. And I never knew that. Me neither. Yeah, I heard it was a starter company that he became like a top stakeholder in at the time. And then he put like a lot of energy and work into it with being super knowledgeable about batteries and stuff like that. I, did he start Solar City before he got into Tesla? I think it was after. It, it was after, after, yeah. I yeah, think okay. it was after. He started it to... Because he saw a gap in the industry again. Yeah. He, he just knows somehow. Mm -hmm. um, but he saw a gap in the industry and he was like, he's the one that re actually revolutionized the payment of solar to be zero down solar and you mm -hmm. finance it over a long period of time to replace your energy bill. Hmm. He's the one that actually came up with that. Just revolutionizing things. Like he was the one that is a big reason why solar is what we see today. Like everyone really has solar in their neighborhood. And, yeah. it's, you know, partly because of him. You see Teslas on the road all the time. Like EVs were like foreign years ago, and now they're just so common. Like every single company is getting an EV at some point or another. Like they have to bite the bullet, and a lot of it was a lot of it was because of him. And um, Tesla, that's like the bulk of his story, in my opinion. Like that's where a lot of like we know of him as. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and it was interesting looking into more about the journey and how he tries to sell it to Google and. Um, I forget what happened with Google, but that didn't work out. And then at one point they were almost like bankrupt at Tesla. I think it was 2013. He reaches out to Tim Cook at Apple and says, Hey, I want you to buy Tesla. Um, and the selling point was for like 10% of what, it, what it's worth today. And Tim Cook declined the meeting. So that's a crazy. interesting story of people like not really betting on him still. And he figured it out. Yeah. He always figured it out. I think Tesla was started around the time in 2000, or I think Elon got into Tesla in 2008 as well. And in 2008 was when everything went bad, especially like the, that's when the economic downturn really hit and the car market's one of the place, first places to go. So first of all, off to a rocky start with Tesla, that must've felt like a failed venture initially out the gates on, on just getting into that sector, but he still stuck it through and built it from its early beginnings i want to ask you guys a question do you know how he planned on releasing his project on he like on how he strategized on releasing the tesla cars eric are you gonna say like the s3xy no like humorous? No, no 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 
So what he did was he released the Roadster first, right? Mm-hmm. Because he wanted to make it exclusive to people who can only afford that because it was made like, I think it started off at $200,000. They said only really famous actors. Clooney, I don't remember that dude's first name. George. Sure, yeah. George Clooney and two other big name actors were like the only people who bought him. Mm-hmm. But then he... He wanted a high-priced product that only little people can get. He wanted a medium-priced product that more people can get. And then a um, very cheap product that everyone can get. And that was his strategy for releasing the cars in the order that he did. The Roadster, then the X, then the S, then the Y. I think that's the way it went. Mm -hmm. Something like that. Um, But he released them strategically in that order to be able to draw on clientele to the market. Now, what do you guys think about that? How? Because I personally would think that's a bad business strategy to immediately start off super high and build little traction, but maybe on the off chance you get high value people to join and then back the brand. I think considering the state of our society, then it makes sense because if you just said like, "Here's an EV," when they really weren't a thing, the average consumer is not mm-hmm. going to buy one. It's so different. That's it's true. hard to convince them. Um, so he would either need to spend a ton in like marketing and education to like really change the course, or you can say, I'm just going to give it to these hundred people. And then now if I see JLo driving a Tesla, I'd be like, Oh, that's cool. Like I want that now. Like it's, <laughs> it's more meaningful. Um, yeah. it's a, it's a unique strategy for sure. But I think also him expanding to the entire population later on, he just grows his audience better because people that have Teslas, like they love Elon. Yeah so much like they'll do it you know whatever it takes to you know support elon so um it definitely builds him up more because it's a strong fan base yeah i think it was kind of unintentional and the reason why i say that is because tesla the original tesla was based off of porsche and that was by elon's design he wanted to base the roadster off of a porsche to which they only got like two to seven percent of the original porsche so that very first roadster was the car that he had in mind and then maybe it was so expensive that he realized he has to make it expensive to actually make the car then it was his way of working it down and down and down because the very last car that was released was a model Mm three right so i think it was kind of like trial and error where i don't even know how many units of the original roadster were sold but there wasn't a lot for sure and then it was just figuring out a car that would hit with the market. Yeah, I think it was like under 200. But I saw like in a really early interview, he said that that's that what his strategy was for releasing cars was to be able to open up a fan base like that. But I thought that was just counterintuitive to my logic. I would think differently. But apparently I'm wrong because I see everybody in our neighborhood driving a Tesla. It's like almost every other car that's out there is a Tesla. It's such a prominent brand now, and it's grown from nothing to only having celebrities owning the Roadster to everyone has a Model 3 now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that took 15 years to get there too. So mm-hmm. it was a long time coming, but obviously very fruitful for them. Should we move to talking about his about what he does now? I think we've talked enough about his past life and yeah. everything. So let's get into the space talk with Mr. Elon Musk. Did you guys see that he wants to colonize Mars by 2024? By 2024? 2024 in a year. I feel like he's given a lot of goals before. That's what he said. What, what does colonize mean? Have people live on Mars. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. 
I mean, if anybody could do it, it's going to be him. So I just think that's so crazy that there's people out here like, oh, I'm worried about paying my bill tomorrow. And he's like, all right, I'm worrying about how I'm going to colonize someone on Mars. Mm-hmm. Like, it's two different mindsets that is just so crazy to think about. And his mind is so broad. And he has no limitations on what he can think. He's literally thinking out of this world. Mm-hmm. He's thinking to a different planet. It's crazy. Yeah, it, it's a very interesting conversation. Something I probably could never understand. Like space is just—it's cool, but it's a lot of you know education behind it mm-hmm. um, to understand it. And yeah, I mean, I think from his mindset, like he's someone he wants to have like a ton of kids to save the human race and reproduce and everything. So I think also with that same mindset comes like if the Earth is not suitable for us one day like we need a backup plan he just takes the responsibility i'm gonna do it myself yeah Mm -hmm. it goes along with solar electric vehicles it's all sustainable energy Mm -hmm. um harvesting energy from the sun um if we deplete all of our resources here on earth uh, move to a different planet and then something super interesting was that kids part because he has a whole bunch of kids Mm -hmm. he has 12 kids yeah he has a whole bunch of kids and definitely gonna have more because um What he said is right. The more educated people get, the less kids they have because they realize it's a burden to have kids or they're educated and now they're like, let's just say a doctor and they're now 31 years old. They find a wife when they're 36 and now they can't even have kids, Mm -hmm. right? They miss that period. Um, So the more educated people become, the less kids they have. So he said it's important for him to spread his smartness. So he's just going to have more (laughs) kids. Which is a great idea. Yeah, do you think it works like that, though? That's a hard name to live up to, Elon Musk. I mean, I think intelligence is definitely part genetic-based. I think it's partially genetic. I don't think just... He also has a photographic memory. I don't think because he's so smart, his kids are going to be necessarily that smart. Oh, that'd be so bad to be one of his dumb kid. (laughs) I mean, if he has like 100, I think 10 would turn out to be geniuses. So (laughs) he'll just keep going. Just maybe 10% of his child population is is smart. And that's good enough to continue the race to maybe expand to Jupiter at one point, even though it's It's better than going 0 for 2, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's true. He's giving himself more of a chance. I think something interesting about him is how much influence he has. Like, back before he bought Twitter, he would just oh, yeah. be, like, trolling people on Twitter. So funny. Like, I remember when <laughs> they put out, like, the new emojis on the iPhone, and there was, like, um, the pregnant man emoji. He put that next to a picture of Bill oh, Gates. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was, like, it's the same thing. Um, but yeah, was, I forgot. He's funny like that. Yeah, he would just, like, troll people like that. But then also, like, he could control the movement of Dogecoin and Bitcoin with a single oh, tweet. Like, yeah, he crazy could. Crazy movement. Like, people would buy or sell whatever. Like, I remember one time he was like, Bitcoin's bad for the environment because of this. And, like, Bitcoin just tanked. Just uh-huh. one single tweet. It was crazy. How much did it go down? I think I remember that specific event. I think it moved $16,000 down. Wow. Yeah. I think, I'm pretty sure it was up at, like, the 40s, 45, and it moved down to 29-ish. I'm pretty sure. I don't know if it was that much. No, it was something crazy. Because I remember I, I had a good amount of Bitcoin back then. And I was like, Elon, you're messing me up, man. You're messing me up. And Your $100 hurting. Huh? Your $100 hurting. My $100 is hurting, <laughs> man. And, uh, and I was just like, it's crazy how much influence he has. And with Dogecoin, too. I remember that was massive. 
because he tweeted one thing and it'd pump up like crazy. He always t- tweeted like positive things about it. You could it. buy Tesla with Dogecoin. Yeah. yeah, or Dogecoin to the moon, I think was another one. And it would pump like crazy and people would make money off of that. And I remember um, as someone at the time was like, I'm going to buy Dogecoin right now. And I was at 70 cents or something like that. And I was like, do not do it. Don't do it. That's a bad idea. You're going to lose all your money. Don't invest. Because the standard, like when it hits the news, sell. Because everyone knows about it, then people get scared. And 70, I think, was the peak of Dogecoin. And now it's sitting at like, what, a cent? Dang. Nine cents? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's, it's crazy just in general how much influence Elon has over markets and the world in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, even other tweets that he would do would literally move the tesla stock um it would move then now the twitter stock even before the merger happened he would announce something and be like oh he's gonna do something dumb just sell it yeah so um right when he was in the talks of buying twitter there was this whole thing where um the twitter stock went up because it was supposed to be bought out at a certain price and then he announced that um they're supposed to have it done in a certain time frame, and then he said there's too many bots. So it has to be extended during this time. Well, then what happened? The stock plummeted. Mm-hmm. And then there was this whole thing that um, you had this whole prefabricated plan that you would drop the stock so you'd get to buy it out at this price because of this whole problem with the thing. Mm-hmm. So he has so much influence, and he, he has the power to move markets literally billions of dollars at at a time yeah twitter's an interesting one i don't think that was his intention of like moving it financially um because he goes he openly recognized like there's an issue with twitter like yeah it's becoming too negative they're just censoring people so he's like i'm just gonna buy it and make it my own thing and he got a lot of backlash um can we talk about how we bought it real quick though yeah good isn't it so funny he put a poll on twitter of who wants me to be this? Twi- who wants me to be the CEO of Twitter? Be careful what you wish for. And he put a yes or no poll, and everyone said yes. And he said, "Okay, be careful what you wish for." Yep. And then he actually became the primary shareholder and is the primary owner of Twitter. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's continue funny. though. Um, and he like whenever there's a a buyout like that, there needs to be what's called a discovery phase or something like that, where you just lawyers are involved and you have to figure out basically everything about the company and twitter was like very hesitant about what they were sharing with him and he's like we have to do this like i'm spending millions and millions of dollars on this and um he's like i want to know how many bots there are on twitter and the who is the former owner ceo i don't know his name um but he told him it's only five percent we did a study it's only five percent it's like okay how many how many um, accounts that you like survey he's like a hundred he's like that's not big enough there's billions of people on twitter mm-hmm. so he did his own research and it was found that there's over 80 percent of accounts on twitter were bots 80 mm-hmm. percent and um <laughs> so he was just like uncovering all this stuff and that's when twitter stock like really hurt was because it was like such a mess like he was uncovering all the truth behind it so i don't think it was ever something that he was purchasing to try to make more money i think it was literally like i'm going to change this platform for the better but also uncover how bad our big tech is these days and how like Mm -hmm. censored it is like it wouldn't surprise me if you know he just goes and he's like i'm going to do it to meta now i'm going to do it to linkedin whatever the next 
you know target is and just trying to change the game yeah i think a lot of the population especially on his level with his money is very corrupt and i think honestly he's an average person who's just so smart who made it to the top and i don't think he's supposed to be there i remember seeing this one thing about if elon musk were to give 27 billion dollars or something like that to this organization you can end world hunger forever he tweeted back send me the plan and i'll wire you the money and nothing ever came of that Mm -hmm. i really think he is just an average dude who somehow found a key to life and just knew the right place at the right time worked hard and got to the top and now amounted to the 0.0001 percent of the world and now he's playing with the big dogs who are ran by more money than he even has but i think he's just a normal person who got there mm-hmm. yeah and he's evidently gonna get corrupt too maybe who knows i mean he talked I, I, have, I have faith in that boy elon but but like ai stuff like all this stuff that isn't he against ai to an extent he's against regulations the the non-regulatory aspects of ai because he says like It'll take, while these people are developing it in, let's just say, a year, it's going to take three years for a law to be passed and the actual government to regulate what they're doing. So they're making stuff too fast for us to even keep up with. Mm -hmm. And that's where it's like, are we going to jump into a Terminator phase where they take over us, Mm -hmm. where it's not safe? Maybe that's why he's going to Mars. Yeah, maybe that's why we do have to go to Mars. He knows something we don't. He seems like he does. Seems like that's been the story of his life. He knows mm-hmm. something that the general population doesn't. He's going to Mars and taking his Dogecoin with him. Yeah. <laughs> Dogecoin will stay with him. But hey, maybe more people can go with him to Mars. He's been making it more affordable. That's his goal to make space travel, interplanetary space travel, more affordable to average people. I think he said the price that he wants it to be for someone to go to Mars and hopefully just stay there and colonize it. Is two hundred thousand dollars. It's less than a quarter million. I mean, it's still a lot, but I guess that's more expensive or more affordable than what it was in the past. Maybe yeah. it was like five million in the past. I don't really know. Yeah, someone will do it for sure. Yeah, but like, what's his goal? What's his goal with that? Just like send them there, like on a one-way ticket, and be like, okay, have fun, good luck. It's. <laughs> I think it's literally experimentation, seeing if we can handle it. Because the first people there, you can't really expect them to live. Really? Because how are they going to get back, first of all? No one's ever went Mars to Mm -hmm. whatever. They have the rovers on Mars. We know how to get to Mars. But do we know how to get out of that, you know, gravity field or launch a rocket from there and come back to Earth? Have we recovered any of the the, um, rovers from Mars? I don't know. Maybe like in a space station. I'm not sure. I don't know either. That'd be a good question to find out. But I don't know. Yeah, I, I I think it's just gonna be a giant study. So like I I, I think that's why he hasn't went there on his own because mm-hmm. he definitely has the means to. Yep, that's um, that, that's a good point. But it's just to see like what we can do as a race up there. Yeah. Because is there even water on Mars? There has to be. There yeah. has to be some well, there, sort. Yeah, there is probably. It, but there has to be maybe oxygen, hydrogen in the atmosphere that could be allowed to make water but i don't know if there's actually yeah, water on the surface in there. Yeah. Hmm. yeah water has to be viable for us to go there so there's right. something yeah but it's just like how accessible is it do you need to make 
humans go up there and like maybe dump some soil on the ground or something and do some tests. Mm-hmm. Like it's not going to be like you go up there and it's gonna be like, cool, we're lit. And then we can live here forever. But it's going to be like a civilization starting from like negative yeah. things. It's not like we're starting from nothing because at least here, if we went into a forest, we have oxygen, we have trees, we have plants that we can eat. But there it's just like rocks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who knows what's on Mars? That's for some humans to find out who who are brave enough to go on the first discovery yeah. to colonize Mars. That's or, for sure. Or thug enough convicts in jail. Oh, that's interesting. That could be, that could be something that happens. Mm-hmm. Send them up there against their will. <laughs> Not against their will, but if they're doing life in jail, send them up there. Yeah. With the chance to be a superhero and colonize, be the first one to colonize it. I'm sure there's dead bodies on Mars. You think? Mm-hmm. People have definitely been there. Definitely been there, just not anyone important. <laughs> Bro, who got there? Jimmy Neutron? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Jimmy Neutron and Carl Weezer built something in their basement and got to Mars. <laughs> yeah. I just think it's interesting how he he's for the human race. Mm-hmm. He's not for himself. Yeah. He's doing stuff for the longevity that we as humans can sustain ourselves as a population. Mm-hmm. And then find a way to dominate not only this world, but other worlds and then other galaxies eventually. Because that's what we're going to evolve into. Mm -hmm. Eventually, if we overpopulate this world, we're going to need something else. Yeah. I think it's also important because we're talking about a lot of positive and success from him. Like There are obviously some downfalls to elon um one of them i want to point out is he's very bad with women like he's had (laughs) a lot of spouses but none of them have really stuck in his life he's been dating or married to someone and had to you know break up and divorce them um there was one i don't know what wedding this was but i remember like there was a story about his first dance with his wife one time at their wedding, he's, like, whispering in her ear, like, I'm the alpha. Like, I mm, own you. That's and crazy. he just, like, whoever he's with, he makes it apparent to them, like, I'm better. Like, you're running by my rules and everything. So, not, like, an ideal way to have a relationship. Yeah, but, definitely not. Um, maybe it's just not cut out for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe relationships aren't just for that, man. That's That's crazy. With someone as smart as him, I wonder if he does feel, like, a huge ego or some sort of power dynamic where he feels like he's better than the other Has person. To. It's crazy, cause I it, it'd be like, like you just look at someone like you're so inferior to me. Like mm-hmm. I can go make a billion dollars right now. I know this. I know that. Like mm-hmm. I would wonder how it is to to meet him. Yeah. If he'd if he'd have that ego or if he'd be odd like that. Mm-hmm. Also, on the story of his relationships, you know, his second wife. He they were dating for ten days and they got married. Oh really? Ten days. Wow. That's crazy. I think that's a record. Yeah, it's got to be, unless it's like a prearranged thing. Oh, yeah, unless it's arranged, but yeah. Wow. Yeah, definitely his track record proves to be he's not the best with women and relationships, but he's a genius for the species, for the yeah. human species to progress. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, we've got our final segment of the episode, Take It or Leave It. We're going to give you some things about his habits, his life, and... They're going to tell me if you want to take it or leave it. So Before first, we start, yeah. I can't imagine that there's going to be anything that we're going to take here. <laughs> I don't know why, <laughs> but th- this dude just seems so odd and so out of this world that I just don't think it's going to be any takeits. We'll see. <laughs> we'll find out. Um, the first thing about him, he schedules his day in five-minute blocks, pretty much everything, whether it's a meeting, a phone call, a meal, except for dinner. He loves dinner. 
everything in his day is a five minute block with really no breaks in between. Take it or leave it. It's a great idea, but I don't think it's sustainable for me personally long, like in the long run. So I would say maybe like 30 minutes to mm -hmm. give yourself flexibility. So I'd say leave it. Bro, I'm not that important yet where I have, <laughs> yeah. where, where I have to yeah, schedule right? my damn five minutes, to be completely honest. I'm leaving that. Yeah, I agree. I hope I will be one day, though. Or I will be one day. Mm -hmm. um, he's often so busy that he skips meals. He skips breakfast and lunch. Um, like, like, like I said, he loves dinner. And he says he would skip exercising if he could. If he didn't know the benefits of it, he would stop exercising as well. Take it or leave it. Man, I hate to say it, but I, I'm bro. I'm bro on this one. I, I do this. I, I be skipping meals the most frequently. So I, I, um, I leave it, but right now in my personal life, I, I take it. So Yeah, I would say take it, to be honest. Um, surprisingly, kind of I, I understand like different priorities. Like maybe sometimes eating, that's why I dwindled my meals down to like a, different, a smaller window. Mm -hmm. Because I, I don't think... It's super important to like go grocery shopping or spend this much time cooking a meal, whatever. I just think sometimes your time could be used more effectively. Um, like he said, not as important as him, but right now it's what I do. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Like I think um, health is super important. And he's, it is. He's came and said before, like, my health is not great. Um, so, you know, maybe he can just keep going the way he is. But, you know, there is a concern one day. He's just going to shut down because he doesn't take care of himself. And mm -hmm. um, hopefully there's no regret because of it. Maybe he's like, I'm cool. I did what I needed to do. But hopefully, you know, he's not at 60 years old. Like, my life's over and, you know, I'm disappointed, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, he regularly, it was reported he used to work like 120 hours a week. Now it's about 80 to 100 hours a week. Take it or leave it. Well, I'm glad bro took a chill pill. <laughs> if it's something I love, I'm taking that all day long. But... Um, I'm gonna leave that. Yeah, I think depending on where you're at in life. I mean, I, to me, honestly, an 80 hour week doesn't seem crazy. Um, I don't even know how many hours a week I put in, to be honest. But 80 hours with an asterisk of you're running SpaceX, Tesla, like, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, it's a much different, there's a lot more stress, I would say. Right, yeah. But it's like kind of what you have to do to be even in that position. Like, if you can't even fathom being at that level being under all that pressure you're never going to get there mm -hmm. so honestly i would say it's a take it for me because i think right now what we have to do personally is we have to put in all that time so we can go from like 80 hour week to like 40 hour week eventually mm -hmm. you know like he went from 120 hour because look at the caliber of stuff he's achieving yeah. Now it's kind of down to 80 to 100. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one, 120 is the way that it's going to be. I just did the math, and that's 17 hours a day. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he sleeps for six. So that yeah, I was going to say he sleeps for six hours. That's yeah. what he does. Hmm. Um, we talked about this a little bit, but again, he takes responsibility for the next generation himself as far as reproducing with his kids. Take it or leave it. Would you have that many kids? 12 plus. I personally don't want a lot of kids. I want two kids. So for me, it's a leave it, but he also doesn't have the stress financially of anything ever. And he is just trying to progress the human generation. I feel like if you had that many kids, your connection to all your kids would not be that great. Mm -hmm. And it's all with different women too. So yeah, that's true. Like, yeah, despite whatever you believe in, do what you want in your life. But I think the connection to your kids would be odd. Like if, 
if you were to give 10 minutes to each of your kids every day, which isn't a lot, mm -hmm. like that's already two hours a day, yeah. which is a lot for him, which is way more than I guarantee he does. So just for that aspect of not being able to give your kids that type of time, I would say leave it. Leave it for me. I don't want near that many kids. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, keep it on the theme with kids and family. He often arrives home from work around 10 p.m., long after his kids are asleep, so can't really spend time with them. Mm -hmm. And then he just works until about 1 a.m. because um, he can't have family time. Sounds lonely. I don't want to be lonely. Leave it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think we, we should work super hard where we're at right now. Yeah. Um, well, he's worked tremendously hard, mm -hmm. but... Yeah, we're not knocking his work ethic. Yeah, but... Um, work super hard right now and so we can have those times later in life mm -hmm. yeah exactly yeah this is my last one's pretty interesting he won't go to sleep until his entire to-do list is completed in Take theory it. i think that's a great one i think that's a great one too mm -hmm. but like sometimes your to-do list could be really i, I was also yeah. gonna say like sometimes it could be like days long yes i was also gonna say it depends on what that to-do list is mm -hmm. because i i made it i make a to-do list every day of little goals and i do it the night before like i think if what would i do tomorrow that would make me feel accomplished mm. and i'll write that down in a list and i'll make sure i check all those off and if i do those i'm like all right great i feel great about my day but some of them are way too long and it's like this is like a four-day thing this is going to take multiple days so i think it all depends and i'm sure his goals are way bigger than mine bros running tesla spacex and 45 different companies mm -hmm. so it depends on how big his goals are, but I think that's great that he does that. Yeah, it's it's a cool philosophy, but I think it's nuts. Like I couldn't fathom it if I was if I had like two more things to do. Let's say it's going to take a couple of hours and it's already midnight, because now it just bleeds into the next day. Like I would be much more willing to go to sleep, de-stress, and then the next day get those two things knocked out, and you know I'm ready to go with extra sleep and everything, less stress. So. That's me personally, but it's a good philosophy. I think putting some sort of timeline is good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I like that philosophy, but it's not for me. Is that everything for this episode? Yep. Yeah? Okay. Well, thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of the Next Chapter Podcast. Expect uploads every Tuesday and Thursday, um, and we'll be back with you for more content in the future. Thank you, and we'll see you on the next one. Peace.